Hello everyone, my name is Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Myers Detox podcast. Today we are going to be talking about how to prepare your gut for a detox. So really, really interesting show today and talk about how to rebuild the gut. And so many people are taking antibiotics, so many things working against the gut. Uh, you know, we've, we've got antibiotics, we have glyphosate, Roundup Ready herbicide that's on 70 foods, uh, conventional foods. And we have, you know, mercury fillings and the silver and mercury fillings and stress and EMF and cigarette smoking and just, you know, so many different things working against our gut microbiome. And so Summer Bach is going to be coming on the show. She is a gut expert and she's so eloquent. She does, she did such a great job very clearly and eloquently explaining what kind of goes, what's going wrong with the gut today and how to repair it and rebuild it and prep it in uh, anticipation of a detox. And so this podcast focuses on detoxification. And uh, so this is a very, very good conversation to have. I know so many of you guys listening to this podcast are concerned about your heavy metal levels and how they affect your health. I created a quiz that only takes two minutes to do that based on some lifestyle factors, answering some questions about your diet or product use or mercury fillings, the number of mercury, mercury fillings that you have, we can get a baseline. We can take a look at the potential levels of heavy metals that you have in your body and the next steps to take. And you get a free video series after you take this two minute quiz. Just go to heavymetalsquiz.com, take it and see for yourself. I had a really interesting week this week. I am in a rental home. You guys can see behind me as on Saturday night, I came home to my landlord deciding they needed to change all of the plumbing in the entire house. <laughs> so now I remember why I owned my own home before and now kind of regretting selling it last year. I had a home in Los Angeles I sold and I'm now renting a house. And though I, I love the house, the owner decided that uh, based on a leak that was happening that he needed to replace all of the plumbing. And so Saturday night I had to scramble to find a new home to rent because the, the entire house was destroyed under construction and dust everywhere. And I was concerned about mold. So I've been here for about a week and doing lots of podcasts and, and working to help you guys get healthier. So I'm looking forward tonight to finally going home. Um, so just want to let you guys know that. I know it's just uh, really it can be frightening, you know, when you have living are living in a home and there's a, a water leak, what was happening in my home, and you have concerns about mold, you have concerns about, you know, the landlord, you know, paying for you to have to get out of the house. I mean, it's just, I've been kind of arguing with the landlord and like, you know, you're required by law to pay for me to move into a comparable home and talking about proper mold cleanup, which they had zero clue about. So it's just been an interesting week, <laughs> but I look forward today to going home. Our guest today, Summer Bog, and this is such a good podcast. It's so important to be 
you know, really thinking about what is impacting your gut, what is impacting your probiotics, your good gut bugs, and how to optimize gut function, optimize digestion, optimize nutrient assimilation, because that is really a foundational component to health. You cannot be healthy unless your gut is working properly. So such a good show today. Uh, Summer Bach is a trained herbalist certified in integrative nutrition through Columbia University. A raver in her early 20s, devastating allergies emerged that left her exhausted, high-ridden, and only able to consume 30 foods without a reaction, an outlook that stumped the medical community. Leveraging her background in microbiology and fascination with gut health, Summer healed herself through research and formulation of various digestive bitters, which she now produces for her Guts and Glory apothecary online. Summerbach coined the phrase gut rebuilding, which is now cornerstone terminology in the integrative health conversation. She's also the founder of the Fermentationist Certification Program. You can learn more about her and repairing the gut at gutrebuilding.com. Summer, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm so excited to be here. This is fun. I love talking about detox. Yeah, so this is a really important topic because a lot of people have concerns about if they should detox if their gut is not functioning so great or if they have leaky gut. So let's talk a little bit about you know why some people struggle with detox. Well, you know when I first started this journey myself, you know just my own personal journey, I didn't even know I was sick actually, and I did a detox and it was amazing. Like I felt on day five, like a wool blanket had been pulled out of my brain. And I was like, oh, this is how normal people feel, like clear, no anxiety. And I was like, wow, I haven't felt like this my entire life. And I'm 21 years old. Like, this is crazy. And so I, of course, was very excited and, you know, got trained in herbalism, got trained as a health coach and started doing detoxes with people. And what I learned was that you know, a certain percentage of people would be fine. And then there was over time, as I kept doing this work, a larger and larger percentage of people were struggling to detox effectively or deeply without having major cleansing reactions, even early on. And so every time I'd lead a detox, I was like starting to see people who were like ending up vomiting. They were ending up in bed. They were like full body pains, like going through these huge Herzheimer's reactions. I was like, this is not, this can't be good. Like that wasn't my personal experience when I did it. I was like, this just cannot be good. And so I realized they weren't ready. Their body wasn't ready because they were maybe even too toxic or their gut was in total dysbiosis, which means that a ton of toxins are being created by these organisms. And then those toxins are then, you know, basically, you know, going through the liver, going through the kidneys, all filling the bloodstream. And your body is constantly trying to just maintain homeostasis by trying to filter out all those toxins that shouldn't be there in the first place. And then we're like, okay, body, like clean up, detox, do your work. And I feel like people were just like, their bodies were like, no, 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 no. This is too much, too fast. I'm, you know, and they were just flying into these Herzheimer's reactions. I was like, we've got to do something different. Like this isn't, this isn't the right first step for this group of people that I'm working with here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the case with a lot of people. I just did a webinar yesterday where I was talking, you know, did a poll 
you know, if you've done a detox before, did it make you really, really ill to the point where you were scared to try another detox again? And this is unfortunately some people's experience. And so there can be a lot of roadblocks to detox. So you talked about gut infections, dysbiosis, maybe candida and parasites. And these can make, you know, parasite poop and, uh, you know, the candida release toxins. So let's talk about, you know, how dysbiosis uh, can create excess internal toxicity that thwarts detox efforts. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when you think about your entire gut ecosystem, like a lot of people know there's the gut microbiome, you know, some bacteria, these probiotics, they live in your gut, but where? And the truth is that they live primarily, as long, you know, as long as you're decently healthy, they're living in your large intestines in really just one section of the intestine, they're living in your cecum. And that's kind of our human fermentation chamber. And as long as that gut microbiome is balanced and you've got the right balance of probiotics with all the other random microbes that are living there, then everything is good. They're helping you digest your food more fully. They're creating vitamins that you're absorbing on site, like vitamin K and vitamin B. Uh, They're also communicating to your immune cells and telling your body like, hey, we're the good guys. Like, you know, we're okay here, right? And like talking to our immune system and our immune system stays chill with them. And and, and in general, like it creates a healthier environment for us because they're doing so many things. I mean, they convert thyroid hormones for us. They help get rid of extra estrogen. There's countless things. The list is so long of how, all the many ways that they help us. Now, if somebody's taken antibiotics or birth control pills or have had a lot of tra- trauma or they're really stressed out, just even shifting your body in those ways can kill off the microbiome and can start to destabilize it. And over time, create an imbalance where there's more pathogenic bacteria or, you know, commensal bacteria that that have overgrown and they really don't need to be in the numbers that they are. And when they, when, when, when you have that imbalance, like what you said, parasite poop, like that's exactly it. The reason that that is so detrimental to us is because of all the toxins that are being excreted by these pathogenic uh, organisms. I mean, they excrete, you know, toxins, essentially, that our body now has to filter. It goes straight into your bloodstream, right through the wall of the intestine. And then that goes to the liver because any nutrition goes straight to the liver first so that our body can like detoxify anything there before that blood goes to the brain. So it's a really important step. I think of it as a metropolis. So there's, you know, all these bacteria living in the metropolis of your intestines and the bloodstream is kind of their sewage system. It's cleaning everything for them. So when we have all the good bacteria, we have a, the right balance of probiotics, then they're, they're creating organic acids, bacteria sins. They're creating all of these like, you know, parasite poop, as you say, I, I think bacteria pee is sometimes what I, <laughs> I joke around and say, I know that sounds disgusting. But they create organic acids and bacteria that are not toxic for us. So our body actually utilizes what they're creating. We know what to do with it. It doesn't create excess load on our channels of elimination. But as soon as we have what I call the human sewer situation, where all these bacteria are out of balance, all those toxic excretions going to the liver, it, it, that's more work than the liver needs. It's already just trying to process our day-to-day metabolic activities. Right. It, it has tons of work to do, breaking down hormones, regulating our neurotransmitters and like just making everything work normally. And then all of a sudden we add all these extra toxins coming from this internal environment, plus all the environmental toxins, obviously, that we're getting more and more exposed to. And now people's livers are so backed up. So 
they're just overloaded. They can't quite keep up with the workload. And so to me, that's, that's really what's happening here. It's just like, okay, we already have a lot to do. Like the liver has its work cut out for it. And then with dysbiosis, we're saying, oh, hey, here, uh, we'd like you to work overtime and then some. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny you say we're like a, a human sewer system because then you end up feeling like a toilet. You just feel like crap. <laughs> and and You totally do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And when your body is dealing with all this extraneous parasite poop, it's stepping up your detox pathways. It is creating additional toxins on top of the already inordinate amount of toxins, thousands of chemicals and dozens of heavy metals it's already tasked to do with. So we don't want, you know, we, we just want to create an environment that's not conducive to candida and parasites and fix our guts so that our body isn't having to deal with this. So that's, it's totally fixable. It's totally preventable. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's, you know, you know, when there's dysbiosis present, when there's skin reactions, people are seeing acne, they're seeing, you know, psoriasis, eczema, rashes, things like that, because that's the liver not being able to detoxify everything and, and stuff starts getting pushed out into our largest detox organ, which is our skin. You know, so I think that's one really common symptom, obviously, digestive issues, any kind gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, like all of these digestive upsets indicate like something's really off here, you know, and as soon as we start balancing the microbiome, that stuff starts shifting and going away. Um, but then I think that also just brain fog, energy crashes, you know, just not being as energetic and clear and focused and happy. Those are actually symptoms of this, right? It's symptoms of overtoxicity. So I think it's really important for people to notice, like, what symptoms am I tolerating? What do I chalk up to aging? Like, oh, this is happening because I'm getting older. Like, I, I just really dislike that excuse because I know so many people who that's not the case as they get older. And I know there's genetic, uh, there's always a genetic component, but I think that as long as you are doing the right things, you're being like as proactive as you can to keep those toxic levels down, your body can actually handle it, it can process it, you can be energetic, you can be focused, you can be joyful. Um, and honestly, I think those are some of the first things to go once those levels of toxicity go up. Yeah, and the, and the converse is true also when you start fixing your gut and when you start like say doing colon cleansing or coffee enemas or things that purge the liver and colon, your skin becomes super clear, super you know glowing and, and healthy because all these toxins aren't coming out through your skin. And so, so there's so many things working against our gut, working against our microbiome, working against our digestion. Can you talk about some of the things that, you know, kill off our healthy gut bacteria and contribute to this gut dysbiosis that throws a wrench into detox? Absolutely. You know, I, I really think of this as a forest as the best metaphor for our gut microbiome. So when you look at a forest, you have all these animals, major diversity in animals and insects. And that to me is the bacteria, the probiotics, all these little organisms living inside of us. And then we have all of the plants. Right. And to me, the plants are the food, right? That's what we're eating. And then you also have the soil and the soil is all of our tissues. That's just like what is there. You know, it's, it's, it's part of the environment. It kind of sustains the overall environment, our bodily tissues. And, you know, just like in a forest, you can have a forest fire that's man-made or naturally caused, you know, whether somebody lights a fire or lightning strikes, it's still going to have the same effect. It's still going to create destruction. 
So for us in our gut, that looks like antibiotics, right? Or it can be food poisoning. That would, that's what I would consider more of a naturally occurring way to create dysbiosis is, is simply food poisoning or, or getting the flu, getting really sick. Um, you also have birth control pills and many other pharmaceuticals will impact the gut microbiome in a fairly negative way. And what we see is like when you look at some of the studies that people are doing on the gut microbiome, the more that people take antibiotics, the harder it is to recreate a balanced, native, natural gut microbiome. And I think that's really important. I mean, I, I know a lot of people know this. I might be preaching to the choir for a lot of folks, but I can't say it enough because it still is very, very prevalent. There are still so many doctors over, over prescribing antibiotics. And there are so many patients going into doctors not wanting to leave without antibiotics as well, right? And so if there's, there's a little bit of um, like, yes, give me this pill, fix me. Like, I don't like being this uncomfortable. And what we don't realize is that there are major long-term effects, just even nutrient deficiency and things like that. So some of the, those are some of the main ones, but then one that is often overlooked really is trauma and stress. I mean, we can destroy our gut microbiome with trauma and stress. And trauma obviously can't help when that happens. It just happens in life. It's a part of life. But the way that we deal with it, the way that we process it, the way we move through it is very instrumental in how well our body can be resilient and how well our gut microbiome can be resilient to this. Because you raise cortisol levels, like through stress, through trauma, you raise cortisol levels. Cortisol is a hormone. Hormones are essentially text messages to our cells. Bacteria are cells. So if we're texting to ourselves, maybe we're on AT&T, okay, these bacteria are on Verizon. We can still text them. <laughs> they're still reading all these text messages, right? So they're like, oh my gosh, like cortisol is high. And that cortisol, that hormone, that message tells certain bacteria to flourish. Oh my gosh, we need to, we need to reproduce like mad. Party time. And yeah. Totally. And <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, a lot of the bacteria that are going to be you know, most affected by that are pathogenic bacteria. They tend to reproduce faster in that high stress environment. Candida responds and can often even start rooting in with that cortisol present. Um, and there's all different kinds of reactions that happen like this. So I think it's really important for people to understand how impactful past trauma that you haven't dealt with, you know, that's still running your life. It's still kind of in your subconscious that you're like constantly like on guard, hypervigilant about or just the simple day-to-day -day things that you aren't handling. You know, if you walk through your house, do you feel more stressed? Are there activities that you do every day that make you stressed? Are you commuting to work for 40 minutes and you're just, by the time you get to work, you're so amped that you can barely stand it? What is it? Like, everybody has these things that they're tolerating and they feel like they have to keep doing them. And I've just become a very strong advocate for people to start learning how to manage their stress better and do that by actually starting to figure out how to remove the stressor rather than being like, oh, there's a thorn in my arm. Like, I need to like put some essential oil on this thorn. No, like <laughs> we need to pull the thorn out. How do we handle your stress? How do we get you to where you're not text messaging these bacteria and these pathogens and this candida and all these organisms all the time? Very, very important. And so just to kind of take this forest analogy full circle, you know, let's say that you have experienced a lot of destruction in your gut microbiome for, you know, natural or unnatural reasons. And you, you want to restore that. Most people's first idea about how that, to restore this is, is pretty, pretty much a mistake. I, got, I really want to say, I really want to kind of dig into that in a minute, if you want. Yes, I would love to, because I know a lot of people think, oh, I need to fix my gut. It's time to, you know, drink a gallon of bone broth a day and take, you know, a, a 
two, three grams of L-glutamine in probiotics, what is the mistake and the disconnect uh, that people are having there? Well, the, the major underlying uh, flaw in our thinking is that we're looking for a magic bullet. We believe that there is one thing in our life that we're missing. And with that one thing, everything will be okay. You know, so we, we have magic bullet thinking. I, the, the best example I saw of this recently when somebody was like, raspberries. And somebody came and they were like, are raspberries a, like superfood? Should I be eating raspberries every day? And I was like, oh. That was like, all of us know, at the beginning of our health journey. <laughs> that's true. You get kind of like excited and into it. But once you realize that it's really getting a major diversity of foods and, and being balanced and, and enjoying the food that you're eating and not being so hyper vigilant about like good foods, bad foods, stressing yourself out with food. You know, I think that's really important. But I think the magic bullet piece has, has translated into probiotics. So people right now are very excited, like maybe probiotics are the thing that's going to fix it. Maybe this is the true answer. But if we go back to this forest analogy, if we put, if we are taking probiotics, it's the equivalent of having a forest fire happen, all the trees are down, everything's kind of like in a state of destruction, and it's going to, it's going to grow back. It will. That is what nature does. It grows back. We don't go into those forests and try to remediate by adding a bunch of like bunnies, bats, and snakes. We're like, hey, bunnies, bats, and snakes, like you three guys, you little critters, <laughs> go in there. You're the good guys. You go in there and we want you to fix it all. They're like, yo, dude, I can't do anything. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll eat some mosquitoes and some rats for you and I'll nibble on some grass, but like, that's all I, you know, they're an essential part of that ecosystem because those, those uh, creatures actually really help feed and proliferate the, the ecosystem in a major way. They're major players. But they are not in charge of that. What's in charge of that is really just like this process of natural succession where, you know, the wildflowers grow and that's all the food, right? You get like good food in there. You get good nutrients and you allow that to feed the organisms and like let that process regrow. If we're just giving these certain strains of bacteria, these three to 10 strains of bacteria that are in every probiotic, the responsibility of rebuilding the gut, we're missing the point entirely. Yeah, and so where does fermented flu, uh, fermented foods play a role in that, in rebuilding the gut microbiome? Yeah, well, fermented foods are awesome because they contain a wide variety of probiotics, and it's a natural balanced ecosystem in that jar. Like, let's say sauerkraut, for example, or dairy kefir. Inside there, there's all these organic acids that were created by these probiotics, like lactic acid, and sometimes there's a little bit of acetic acid, depending on what, what kind of ferment you're talking about, which is vinegar. And these organic acids act as fertilizer for the gut microbiome, and they help to keep some of the pathogenic bacteria at bay, and they help nourish the environment so that more probiotic bacteria can live there happily. And then we have the probiotics themselves. I mean, when you're looking, when you're talking about like sauerkraut or kimchi or dairy kefir or water kefir, some of these ferments have dozens and dozens of probiotic bacteria. So it's much more diverse. And I think that's really exciting. And they're balanced. They're all living in harmony already. Like when you eat that, they've already established their own community, their own microbiome balance within that fermented food. Plus you have the actual food, you have the starches, you have the inulin, you have all these pro, excuse me, prebiotics that are feeding the probiotics. So to me, a fermented food is just a more whole food version of a probiotic. And I think that's a really important thing for people to think about. But, but 
I just listed some really important ferments. I call them functional ferments. And out of these ferments, like when you buy kefir at the store or water kefir at the store, it's not the same thing as making it at home. So if you want that diversity, you have to learn how to make this at home. You have to learn how to make it the traditional way. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the products in the grocery store have been pasteurized to kill all of the bacteria, the beneficial or no. And so you have to be a really savvy shopper and make sure you're getting the raw. Is there any issues with, you know, purchasing a product that says that it's raw, that is a mass produced store product? What's what are some of the issues with those that you can tell us? Absolutely. You have to find out how they made it. Did they make it in plastic? A lot of these large producers of sauerkraut are fermenting their their cabbage in plastic. And cabbage, excuse me, sauerkraut, like once you ferment it, it starts to get more and more acidic. The final product is usually somewhere between a pH of 3.5 and 4.5. That's acidic. And that acidity reacts with plastic. That's one of the known ways that we leach chemicals out of plastic. You know, time, plastic, heat, I mean, time, acid, heat. I mean, these are key components that leach those chemicals out. So this is really important. Make sure you find out where your producer is making this, how they're making it. Ideally, they are making it in stainless steel or uh, ceramic food-grade crocs. Very important. And then are you buying it in plastic or you buy it in glass? You want to be buying this, these foods in glass. So again, it's, these are the decisions that the producer is making around saving money to make it easier to produce and make more money off the process. I think that's understandable, but it's not helping us because those chemicals are endocrine disruptors. So that's one key thing that you really have to look out for when you're shopping for your ferment. And then if you're making a ferment that contains garlic, I mean, garlic kills bacteria. So can you talk a little bit about that, how that may be uh, problematic when you're trying to repopulate your gut with beneficial bacteria? How does garlic affect it, a ferment? Yeah, so garlic is actually very pro-gut microbiome. Um, the, you know, garlic, yes, it has some antimicrobial components, but in general, what we find with most herbs is that when you're eating them in a food, they tend to not go after the probiotics. They tend to not go after the good bacteria. They can modulate it a little bit, uh, but they're, they're not going to go in there and wipe it out the same way that they're going to have, that they'll have a stronger effect on candida. They're going to have a stronger effect on some of the pathogenic bacteria. And I think that's why we evolved to eat many of these spices and these herbs is because they do help balance out the microbiome. They, they, they are, favor the good guys and, and not the bad guys. And I say good guys and bad guys loosely because we need them all. We just need them in the right amounts, right? Yes. Um, and then garlic also contains inulin, which is a prebiotic starch that supports the growth primarily of bifidobacterium. So bifidobacterium is a fantastic bacteria. Um, you know, we get one form of it in from breast milk as a little baby, uh, but it's a challenging bacteria to find in food. So feeding it with prebiotics like inulin is really important because it helps to make sure that they grow more and that those levels get higher because they're such an important one for the immune system and and for keeping us healthy. Yeah, that's one question I had because sometimes you know I'll have kimchi and I'm like, God, this has a lot of garlic in that. I was just just curious what your thoughts were on the the garlic effect on the probiotics. And so let's kind of take our conversation back to detoxification. And so uh, so you talk about you know cleansing and rebuilding and you know, maybe taking some time to rebuild. 
after doing a detox. Can you talk a little about that? Absolutely. So when you're doing the detoxification process, your body is utilizing vitamins, minerals, and, and its natural resources to help support all of your channels of elimination to escort toxins out of the body. So for some people, they came into the picture depleted. And I think it's really important to understand that for some folks, cleansing can be a little bit of a depleting process, especially if they've been malnourished for years through having disordered digestion where they're not ever absorbing enough nutrients. Um, or they're high stress and a lot of the mineral reserves have gone down, their buffering system is low, which means that they can't naturally balance the pH very well in their body. So, you know, it, once somebody has gone through that cleansing phase, we have to remember for some folks, this is going to be a depleting process. So we need to rebuild. And when I say rebuild, I mean, we need to rebuild the mineral levels. We need to rebuild nutrition. We need to rebuild digestion and we need to rebuild the microbiome. So we take time where we're creating sustainable daily habits that actually support the body's natural detox function. Ideally, you want to be, you know, focusing on, you know, eating your fermented foods on a daily basis. You want to be getting the right food in every day. And this doesn't have to be as restrictive as what you do when you're cleansing. And you're ideally trying to create sustainable habits so that everything that you're doing is going to help support your body to naturally open up the channels of elimination so that you can detox a little bit on a, at a slow pace every day rather than trying to do that big monster cleanse. I think the monster cleanses are important. Like you got to go in there and do it for a little while, but then back back out of it and focus on rebuilding. Cause what a lot of people do is they, they cleanse and then they just kind of go back into this like crazy mode. Like I didn't eat any ice cream for two weeks. Oh my gosh, I got to eat a bunch of ice cream. I'm going to eat some cookies. They just go nuts. And so I'd rather <laughs> cleanse. And then I want you to like focus on really healthy habits, sustainable habits, Get all of your energy levels back. Get your mineral levels up. So now that the pH can buffer and you and basically need to focus on digestion so that you can be breaking down the protein into free amino acids that your liver can use for more detox work. And that's what I see with most of my clients as a big factor. Most of them aren't digesting protein well enough. And so they really aren't getting access to all the amino acids that they need so that their you know, normal detox functions can happen within their liver. Yeah, I mean, and so many people have absorption issues because their gut isn't functioning well. They have leaky gut. Uh, they have, you know, gut dysbiosis. And so they can be eating all these amazing foods, taking all these really expensive, super high quality supplements, but they're not absorbing them. And that can really throw a huge wrench into any recovery, any detox, because you just don't have the nutrients you need. Yeah, rebuilding is really thinking of, a like, thinking of it as a digestive tune-up. Like, let's, okay, let's focus on digestion, get you absorbing, get you actually assimilating these nutrients that are coming in and stockpile so that when you do your next cleanse, you're ready and it's going to be much easier. Yeah. And so let's talk about opening up the channels of elimination. So what does that mean exactly? You know, so many people, you know, know they need to detox, but some people don't, uh, they don't have like their lymph isn't working well, or they're just, their channels of elimination aren't working well. Let's talk a little about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, I, I think of it as seven channels of elimination. We have our blood, our kidneys, our liver, the skin, which is so crazy because it's so huge, our lymph, our colon, and our lungs. These are all the ways that we excrete, uh, you know, normal metabolic waste. And to, so that's the channel of elimination. That's how we get this stuff out of our system. And so when we're talking about detox, we want to enhance those channels of elimination. 
We're going to do whatever we can to help support each channel to do its best. So we have to ask ourselves two questions. What is coming into that channel? You know, and can we change the quality of that? Can we raise the quality of what's going into that channel of elimination so that it has less work, has less to process? It's easier and and basically easing the load. And what can we do to open that channel of elimination up in terms of allowing it to excrete more efficiently, more effectively? Right. So that's what I always ask myself with with each of those things. I have people do a review like what are all the what are the channels for you that you need to focus on first? Um, I tend to look at liver and skin a lot with folks because I think those are two. First of all, you can see your skin. So you can see how things are doing. And I think it's a really great mirror into the body. Right. And quality of skin. I'm sure you see this a lot. Right. Like quality of skin changes very quickly as you shift your diet. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's a really important one to look at. That's your like your way of being. I call it an inner spy. You know, you can actually be a spy by looking at like what's going on inside by looking what's going on on your face, on your skin. Like, how does it look? And then with the liver, I mean, obviously, it's just it's doing so much. So my goal with people there is just improve digestion. Let's get the quality of everything coming into the digestive tract higher and higher. So the liver isn't as as inundated. Um, And then, you know, like I talked about it early with the human sewer situation, you know, your blood, obviously, we're creating more toxicity if the microbiome is imbalanced. If we have that human sewer situation, there's more gunk going into the bloodstream. So balancing the microbiome becomes extremely important. It becomes critical on this list to help open up those channels of elimination by decreasing the toxicity that's present. And so why is the gut kind of the the easiest uh, thing to focus on first, like the lowest hanging fruit? Well, I I think there's multiple reasons. One is because obviously you're eating multiple times a day, right? So you have food coming in. You have control over what you put in your body. Um, That's a big one. And also because it's all the food that you're eating, those are the nutrients that we use. Those are the basic building blocks for all of our cells, all of our tissues. So, you know, you kind of have to start at the base. Like, how do we build our body? How do we build the cells? How do we regenerate the tissues? It all comes through what we eat and, and what we eat is important, obviously, but if we can't absorb it, if we can't digest it, then like you said earlier, it's like people can eat really healthy food, but if they can't get that nutrition out of it, it's, it's, you know, somewhat useless. I mean, it's, it's good. Don't stop doing it. Don't stop eating healthy, but you have to focus on getting that digestion improved. And I, I really work with people on this so much. Um, I, I, of course, I love fermented foods as a good option, but, you know, looking at herbal bitters, um, as a way to help increase digestive juices, help to shift the pH of the digestive organs so that the enzymes are functioning more effectively. I mean, that's really important. I found that that herbal bitters are a really good way to do this. Yeah, yeah, I love taking bitters, and especially if you're if you have digestive upset, bitters can really help with that nausea and just have a lot of good functions. And so, yeah. you know, I deal with a, a, a sick population as well. People come to me when they've just tried all kinds of different things, gone to different doctors, functional medical doctors, and you know, and people that tend to be very ill, the first thing we see on their functional medical tests are low nutrients. So their, their guts aren't working, they're not absorbing nutrients. Um, what are some of the key needle movers for people that need to rebuild their gut and improve absorption of nutrients? Okay, there's a few that I think are so important. Bitters, I recommended that one. I just said that one. Bitters before every meal. 
Uh, I generally love for people to do it like 20 to 30 minutes before a meal to really get all of those digestive and gastric juices flowing. And you want to sit down and like eat and be hungry, right? Like a lot of people aren't really hungry when they're eating. They're eating because they're bored. They're eating because they're stressed. They're eating for all these other reasons. But you want to actually be like hungry when you eat because you will absorb and digest that food so much better. It also means that your body is in a state of parasympathetic nervous system. So parasympathetic, that's rest and digest. You know, it's the opposite of fight or flight. So when people are like, you know, rolling throughout their day, drinking their coffee, eating in the car, doing their thing, like a lot of people do, you're not going to absorb your food because your blood is not in your digestive tract. It's out in your limbs. It's like, you know, it's doing like the, the grunt work of like getting you through the day. You need your blood and your oxygen to all go to your digestive organs so that you can be absorbing that food more effectively, more efficiently. Um, so that involves literally getting out of fight and flight, getting into a state of parasympathetic and digestive bitters help do this. But it also involves you like taking some deep breaths, relaxing, like getting into that mode of receptivity. I think most people skip over this. I actually think prayer is a really helpful way for people to remember to be like humbly receptive of the food that they're about to eat. I think prayer has been a traditional way that folks have done this, but so many people skip over those first few moments before they take a bite. They just rush right in, shoveling the food in their mouths. We've got to slow down. Um, if I could get people to do this for every meal, I would. I don't know, you know, how well this will work because so many people are eating alone, but laughing while eating is one of the best ways to digest your food better. And I know this from like multiple experiences that I've had personally, where I was wearing a continuous blood sugar monitor for a period of time, just doing some biohacking work on myself. And I will admit, I love cupcakes. Like that is my, <laughs> that is my favorite. Like if you, if I'm going to like eat a treat, I want a freaking cupcake and I want it to be good. It's going to be gluten-free and dairy-free, but like a good cupcake is my thing. And so we were at a family wedding and I remember sitting down and it was my, we were doing a little celebration for my dad's birthday that had just passed and my aunt's birthday. And so they brought cupcakes and there was a gluten-free dairy for one. I was so excited. And I ate this cupcake while laughing and cracking up with my family and my blood sugar barely even peaked. I mean, barely, like you could, you would not have been able to tell that I ate a cupcake. It looked like I'd eaten like a low carb meal. Really interesting. It was very fascinating because I know because I ate that same cupcake like, you know, a month before that and that same cupcake like a month after that. And both times my blood sugar, I had a straight blood sugar spike hmm. and then it, you know, of course, plummeted right afterward. So it was really fascinating to me. Like I've gotten a chance to see that over and over in my own personal life of like just wearing this little monitor and going, oh, my gosh, like it's even just affecting my blood sugar. What else is it affecting? You know, because that's huge. When your blood sugar doesn't spike, it means your insulin doesn't spike, which means your cortisol doesn't spike. Those are all parts of stress. Insulin spikes cause cortisol stress, stress spikes, and it's very damaging for the body. So, yeah, laughter during every meal. Please, if you can make it happen, laugh as hard as you can while you're eating. It's good. I, I picture a bunch of people eating their office by themselves being like, oh. Yeah, or you know, turning on the comedy channel at dinner. <laughs> yeah, whatever it takes. I don't even care, but I think it's really important. And then um, let's see another needle mover for like just really helping to rebuild the gut. I, I would say fermented foods. I mean, it's, it's so essential. And if somebody is like listening to this and they're, they're like, Oh, I can't eat fermented foods. I have SIBO. I have histamine issues, whatever. That's just gut healing work that needs to happen. And the fermented foods can come later. You don't have to focus on fermented foods. Now focus on healing the gut, healing the gut, like calming down the histamine, calming down the immune system, 
there is work that can be done there first. And I always work with people on that first before we go into the ferments. And it takes some time for some of those folks. Like some people it can take a little while. It's okay. They don't need to panic. You don't need to panic if you can't handle probiotics and ferments right now. Yeah, you have to work with your body where you're at. I work with a lot of people. They're not ready to detox. We have to do some pre-tox work, lay that foundation, and get their body ready to detox. And so um, you touched on this earlier, but what is like that one mistake that people make when rebuilding the gut? Because I think uh, so many people are trying to do this and maybe aren't really sure the way to go about it. What's one big thing that they're missing or mistake that they're making? I mean, the biggest mistake I'd say is that thinking that probiotics are enough, that you're taking your probiotic and you're good. So just know that, first of all, that's like the bunnies, bats, and snakes and saying that they're going to rebuild that entire forest on their own. No, they're not. And just like that, those probiotics aren't going to be able to balance your gut on their own. They are going to just, you know, increase in their levels, but they can't you know, mitigate the rest of that system. So you need to be focusing on all the other things that we talked about here today, like bitters and fermented foods and stress and, you know, all these various things, getting in high quality food, obviously foods that feed the good bacteria. It's, it's a multifaceted lifestyle approach and you have to be doing all of the things. So, you know, I just, I can't say it enough, like probiotics, you can't just take probiotics and say, okay, I'm doing my part. My gut is fine. Yeah. And so people that want to take probiotics, is there kind of a kind that you like and should people diversify? Like I tell people to take maybe a different brand or a different type. Like when they're done with one bottle, let's go to another strain or another brand. Is there any recommendations you can make about probiotics? I mean, most of the probiotic recommendations I make are for people based on what's showing up in their stool test. You know, so we just, I mean, I often look at people like see, look at their tests and see like what's missing here. And then we add in from there. I think that's an important step because you really don't know what's going on in somebody's gut. So recommending, you know, like a, a certain blend of probiotics, it's hard for me unless I know what the breakdown is inside their own individual gut. That's good. A test, don't guess. So that's great. It applies to probiotics yeah. too and heavy metals. And so let's talk <laughs> a little bit about... Uh, you have a webinar. It's the three major mistakes people make when trying to fix their gut webinar. Can you tell us about that and how to, you know, learn how to join that? Absolutely. So I obviously shared one big mistake with you guys here today about probiotics, but there's two more on that webinar. And it's a short webinar. It's really fun. It's really important for people who, uh, who have any issues with digestive problems at all, you know, because gut-based illness is so crucial to get handled and get dealt with because it leads to so many chronic conditions. I mean, that's something we didn't really touch on is how having dysbiosis later leads to obesity. It leads to being overweight. It leads to type two diabetes. I mean, autoimmunity, all these other disorders, thyroid issues, skin issues, they all start in the gut. So I think getting the gut fixed and handled is very important, especially from a detox standpoint, as we discussed. So I'd love for people to go check that out and gutrebuilding.com forward slash Myers. If you go to that link, we have a special little place to sign up. Thanks to you, Wendy. Appreciate yes. that. Yeah. So everyone go check it out. I mean, Summer, I love your work. I love how well you speak about this topic. And it, it's so important because there is so many things working against our gut today. And it's a big driver of illness. People that are not well or people just looking to get healthier uh, or have awareness that maybe their nutrient levels aren't where they should be, 
and you got to think about gut repair. And so it's a very important thing to kind of master and get down because, uh, you know, you can be doing all this stuff for your health, eating all this unbelievable food, taking a shopping bag full of pills and spending all this money. And it's just not getting in. You, you've got to fix your gut. So go to gutrebuilding.com, gutrebuilding.com slash Myers, M-Y-E-R-S. Awesome. Well, Summer, thanks for coming on the show. Is there anything, uh, any parting words or anything you want to leave the audience with? Well, I think I'll just plant a little seed for everyone. And this is just, um, okay, so when you cleanse and you feel really good on a cleanse, you want to tell everybody about it. You're like, oh my gosh, you have to cleanse. But you can't actually explain the experience to someone, right? Like they have to have that experience for themselves in order to understand what it's really like. And I would just say the same thing's true in the world of fermentation and gut health. Like when you learn to ferment and you start eating fermented foods and start to balance your microbiome, it is a totally different experience of life. I think we start to, we like it, it awakens us to the fact that we're not alone. Like there are bacteria in our gut working with us to help us be healthy and we're creating a home for them. We're actually working in harmony, in partnership. And the further you go into this world of gut health and fermentation and healing, you start to realize, oh, it, it does, like, we have a relationship with every being on the planet and then soil and all of these relationships with the outside world become more important to us. And that's just the experience I want more and more people to have, because then I think we would do a better job at caring you know, about throwing things away, putting trash in the world, making things be full of chemicals, because ultimately it all comes back to us and we're going to eat those chemicals later on. So, you know, it's this little circle of life thing that happens once you get into the world of fermentation. And I just, I can't be excited about it enough. I just hope more and more people get to have that experience. Well, Summer, thanks so much for coming on the show. And everyone, uh, thanks for tuning in every week to the Myers Detox Podcast. It's really a joy and an honor to wake up every day and educate you guys about your health and putting together those missing pieces of the puzzle for you, helping you to make those connections so that you can have some aha moments to you know, just help you on down the road in your healing journey. So thanks for joining me on this quest, and I'll talk to you guys next week.